Hello and happy Friday, everybody. Well, it's Friday for me. Um, this has been a pretty good week so far. Very, very hot and sunny in Denver, which I love. And been just cruising along. The really cool um, fitness events happened this week. There was the Denver collab with Propel. There was three gyms. Well, there was Fitness in the City, uh, Fit36, and then Barry's Boot Camp sort of put on these uh, workouts uh, where Propel Water was um, sponsoring them. So that was really cool. Very fun. Um, Did a couple of active workouts and then... Also at Fitness in the City, they added a new workout class, which is called weightlifting, and it's exactly what it sounds like. You, we were just weightlifting. Um, usually, their classes are they include a little bit more um, like explosive body weight movements um, during their power hour classes, and then they also have a meta circuit, which is like a lot of circuit training. Um, all of them are great, and I. I'm really excited that they just added a new class. Um, I'm just going to make sure I don't overtrain because that wouldn't be very, that would not be good. Um, But, so yeah, I'm kind of excited for that. Um, Let's see, Fitlo had their other passport class with SUP Yoga. Um, I didn't get to go, but I saw some pictures and it looked awesome. So be on the lookout for more of that. And then tomorrow will be yoga on the rocks well there was one last week too but i didn't go to that one um this will be my first yoga on the rocks experience and a fellow athleta ambassador will be doing the yoga so i'm super excited for her um but that is big booty yoga who's doing it and i'm just i'm very excited to wake up very early drive to red rocks and meet up with other fitness bloggers in denver for a really cool summertime yoga event. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of like a fitness recap, I guess. And now I want to get into what this podcast is really about. Um, It's about protein. And, oh, quick update. um, Because I also wanted to talk a little bit about collagen, which is a nutrition supplement. I did find that it's... um, you know, it's considered a nutrition supplement. I was thinking maybe more cosmetics because it's related to skin, but because there's other studies that are looking at the effects of collagen on the body nutritionally, it's considered a nutrition supplement. So I read a review article on collagen and the functional and bioactive properties um, of both collagen and gelatin. Uh, And gelatin is also a a protein, um, you know, derived from animals. And it was really interesting because in this article, I, well, so I still have a lot of questions about collagen. Um, Not, I'm still not sure how effective it is. Um, if certain types are better than others and how much we need to see like a positive effect Um, and like with collagen one of the claims is that it's really good for our skin and um, it promotes to be very anti-aging so for wrinkles you know we have less wrinkles but I know a lot of people um, like I'm 
I'm only 23 or turning 24 soon. Um, but so I don't really have wrinkles yet. So I don't know if college taking college now will help me. Will it keep me from getting wrinkles in the future? Or do I have to have wrinkles to see the difference? So that's just, you know, a little bit about my questions about college. And if you guys have questions, let me know. I'm so down for looking into the research for you guys. I'm going into this pretty blind. And there's a lot of studies out there. But part of doing research is only getting the studies that really pertain to your questions and so I'm I'm trying to look at what effects they have on humans right so I'm not trying to look at studies that they've done on rats or um, dogs and I'm also trying to see it mostly how it affects our skin but I have come across a few articles about the use of collagen and um, anti-hypertension so like low blood pressure and a few other cool topics that I'm definitely going to keep exploring I guess I feel like this is going to hold me accountable to do more research on this topic and also um, yeah just find some answers for both you and me and then figure out if I should really take it or not. Um, I will say, so I have been taking it, but um, and my nails are pretty long, but I've always had long nails, so I'm not, I again, I'm not really sure that that is what is making the difference. So anyways, um, a quick overview of this most recent article that I read. It is very food science heavy, and one of the cool um, areas of food and nutrition that, dietitians or you know a lot of people with a nutrition background can go into is food technology and that is everything all the ingredients that you see on a label um, there are food scientists or food technologists who are doing research and studies to figure out if those ingredients will work so that's where we you know that's why we have um, preservatives and emulsifiers and um, anti-caking agents and all of these different types of ingredients that get added to a lot of packaged food that is the magic of science created from a food technologist so this article basically reviews um, collagen and gelatin and it's mostly like how they got the collagen and gelatin and the reason why I picked this one out is because it's a review so a review study is a study that looks at other studies um and I thought that this could be a good one for me to have on hand so that way I could look at the um studies that this study looked at and see if there are any that will pertain to my specific questions um and there are definitely there's about five or six that i gathered from this article so that's good um but i just wanted to share a few cool things that i learned um the one thing i thought that really stood out to me was there are some collagen and gelatin products that are derived from alligator bones which i First, I learned two things. One, that there's alligator collagen products out there somewhere. And the second thing is, is I learned is that the United States actually farm raises alligators in, in the southeast. So I was like, I, I would have never guessed that we actually farmed alligators. I, I guess I just never really thought about it. Um, I have seen like people eating alligator. Like I've heard of that concept, you know, in restaurants and whatnot. But um, 
I've never personally eaten it myself. The only time I ever came close was when I was in Florida, which makes sense. Um, and I was at this little produce shop near my parents' house. And in the fro- frozen section, like they had this freezer, there was a bunch of seafood and stuff. And I looked closely and there was alligator. And I considered getting it, but then I, I don't know why I didn't. Um, it was probably price. I probably looked at the price and was like, no, thank you. Um, but uh, so then when I went back to my parents' house, I was like, I wonder what the nutrition facts are about alligator meat. And I was so surprised. Alligator has 1,300 milligrams of calcium per three ounce serving. So that is. 100% of your daily value of calcium um, for any non-dairy people out there if you want to eat some alligator that might get your calcium up um, I don't know if that's a specific part of the alligator um, I don't know like a alligator tenderloin or whatever but um, I don't know it's just a fun fact and I don't I think I would eat alligator I actually don't eat anything that walks on four legs um, or people obviously um, so technically alligator would not fall in that ca- that alligator would fall in that category so that means I wouldn't eat it but I don't know I'd have to it have I, I don't know yet I maybe maybe in the future I will given the opportunity but we'll see so Wow, that was a tangent, but I I just thought that was interesting just kind of seeing that little fact that we actually farm-raise alligator and the byproduct of, you know, the processing alligator meat, um, one of it is collagen. And that is, you know, one of the other key points that I really learned from this um, article is that this whole collagen gelatin boom really stems from a strong interest in finding uses for byproducts so um clearly collagen is not a vegan product obviously um but it's made it it comes from all of the animal livestock processing that we do and so manufacturers are just like all right well we have all this usable animal meat and whatever else here but now we have all of these byproducts so what should we do with them um so that's you know we're just I guess we're being resourceful um which is good I don't I don't promote waste so um hey if we want to use it and it's going to make our skin better it's going to make wounds heal better let's try it out I just want to make sure that it actually works um and that when people are buying a supplement it's because they their diet is already adequate enough in things and then they have to supplement their diet with a product um and because I don't want anybody to waste their money on something that doesn't work that's that's really shitty um so yeah that's kind of like another the second cool thing I learned about um why collagen like why is it getting so popular and it's because we're really trying to figure out how to use the byproducts um so what else was really cool oh okay I one of my initial questions was what is the difference between beef derived collagen and marine derived collagen and of course I should have known better than to think that there was just two groups this cow cow versus fish because 
we get a ton of collagen from not just fish. We get it from giant squids. We get it from haddock. We get it from sea cucumbers. Like I, I really opened up a huge topic when I started researching collagen because I just cannot believe how much there is to know about this one teeny tiny like little protein. I mean, it's the most abundant protein in our body, but like holy moly, there's a lot to learn. Um, like just now I'm reading that um, like giant red sea cucumber has been considered a potential source of collagen. Um, and that's just, I don't, I guess, hey, if we're going to use pigs and cows and we want to try and be a little bit more sustainable for the future, why not look at marine life? Um, I don't know if, sorry if that makes anybody sad listening to this. Um, I love animals too. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I won't go into that. Um, so three things learn learned from this article um just about a bunch of other random stuff unfortunately i didn't really learn anything specifically about um you know any double blind uh control studies on certain um formulas of collagen so but i'm gonna keep looking and if anybody comes across a study uh they want to share with me please do um i'd love to like get a sort of like a journal club going on this um I like an informal one just to kind of help facilitate the learning process because I think this is really interesting um and since we're on the topic of supplements this now I'm going to get into why I really wanted to um record this podcast because it's on protein powder and I mean okay so let's think about protein powder it comes in both animal form and plant form And so I immediately wanted to know, like, okay, when it comes to protein powder, the most, the very common question people get is, how do I choose a protein powder? And I wish there was a simple answer, but just like everything in nutrition, there really isn't a very solid, concrete answer. However, there are definitely guidelines that I can share with you guys that would maybe help you make the best choice for you. Um, because number one, protein is a macronutrient that we need to survive. Um, protein has eight functions in the body, like fluid balance. Um, protein is, uh, enzymes, um, hormones, uh, obviously skeletal muscle mass, um, just a whole slew of functions that rely on protein. Um, well, not so much protein, it really comes down to the amino acids that protein provides and I will get in a little bit about um, amino acid content because that makes a difference in the quality of protein that somebody gets Um, and just a fun fact the the United States um, the protein powder is a 5.6 billion dollar industry in the United States and they're Protein bars are $837 million, and then ready-to-drink protein products are $766 million industry. So there is a lot of money to be made in this very specific niche of, well, what used to be sports nutrition. Um, That's really where um, these supplements spawned, but now we're 
now the protein industry is seeing opportunities to sell to health and wellness oriented people who who aren't necessarily doing sports um so there's a huge market and a lot of buyers mostly millennials um millennials are the ones to gravitate most to things with high high protein right um interestingly enough we get plenty of protein in our diet from a public health standpoint um and most likely on an individual basis we're getting more than we need um but i know that i understand the reasons why people feel more satisfied when they eat more protein um it helps and because they're more satisfied, they are eating fewer calories, so it's helping them maintain their weight. And obviously, we have an obesity epidemic, so if you if maintaining your weight is, you know, if you can do that and you're eating more protein, that's fine. Um, I know that there are, there used to be like these myths, well, I don't want to call them myths, but controversies with high-protein diets. Um, you know, like it's bad for your kidneys. Well, in theory, you know, our kidneys are the organs that flush out the nitrogenous waste when we um, in, take in protein. Um, but the the what the findings were is that it's not really problematic in people who did not already have um, a renal disease. Um, that's not to say, like, go, go for it, eat all the protein you want in the world, because we still have to get other nutrients, like that that protein foods might not provide um so another issue with high protein diets is that um that potentially can be is that we uh are dehydrating ourselves because again our kidneys are flushing out that nitrogenous waste but you know just increasing your fluid intake should help that and increasing your fluid intake is a good recommendation in general because many of us um probably don't get enough fluid hopefully from water um and then the third i guess potential issue with high protein diets could be um bone resorption so but this is conflicting because there's some studies that say that it can be catabolic meaning it can break down our bones but then other studies show that it can be helpful and um build bones and you know that's called anabolic so, but basically, you know, it, it doesn't just come down to, like, how much protein you take. It's about your entire diet. Um, so, I don't know that these, de- that dehydration, kidney problems, and uh, weak bones are, like, major issues. It, it doesn't show that they're major issues. They're just kind of questions we have. Um so since we are interested in protein powder, since there is a ton of protein powder out there, we're going to buy it. And I personally use protein powder. Um, I love making smoothies. It's just, they're delicious. It's like having a milkshake. Um, so fresh fruit or frozen fruit, ice, almond milk, whatever, spinach, kale, and a scoop of protein. And it's very satisfying and I know it's also a vehicle for other good nutrients from the fruit and the vegetables that I put in there. So I, I know that typically in like the dietetics profession, we, you know, food first. And I still stand by that. Food first. Um, you really don't need protein powder. But since it is out there and it only seems like the trends are going to be, you know, more protein 
you know, I'm seeing everything with protein nowadays. I saw Cheerios with protein in them. So that's when you know. Um, but anyways, since this is just about protein powders, I just want to um, try and maybe help a few people know what to look for in protein powder because there's definitely a lot of ingredients that might not that you definitely don't need um and that's because supplements are they're not regulated which is why many health professionals are skeptical about the use of them because they're not protected or, or there's no real oversight on the manufacturing processes and the um you know the source of ingredients and then also treatment of workers we don't really have the oversight that we do with certain food products and this is not to get into like a conversation about the government but the fda has you know i know that there are some controversies with people disagreeing with the dietary guidelines and whatever that's not what this conversation is about um the supplement industry is not regulated and food is regulated by the fda However, I see some quote-unquote foods that I would not consider any more food-like than protein powder. Um, I hate to like bash a bash of specific food, but like Gushers, like come on, is that they're they're marketed to us as a snack, and I personally feel that they are no more of a food than protein powder, um, because I mean Gushers are just. Like, I don't even know what the ingredients are, but I'm sure that it's high fructose corn syrup and food coloring. Um, so that's where I get a little bit, I guess, maybe not tech, not against the grain of other dietitians. I just know that we always try and promote food first and protein is expensive and it's not needed if you're getting enough protein in your diet through other sources. But I also know that it's it has a huge advantage and that is convenience and most of us are on the go um and we we want something convenient that doesn't have a ton of like additives and things that you know we just don't want to eat so protein powder is a can be a really good option um and the the one thing that i hope happens as this protein industry booms is that there's more oversight and luckily i do know of some third-party um, verification centers that do test products for, you know, the consumer so that they can, you know, see does the supplement label actually show what is really in this container. Um, one of my favorite companies or websites to go to is labdoor.com. That's L-A-B-D-O-O-R. Um, because they test so many different supplements and then they give them a rating. I've actually been really pleasantly surprised in my history of taking protein powder. Um, most of the things that I've tried have gotten a pretty good review. So that makes me feel better because especially if you have it like on a, you know, a daily or a few times a week basis, you want to know if you're having a good quality product. And if you and if that product, even though it claims it's a good pro- quality, you want to make sure that it really is. But there's only you know these third-party companies that are doing that it's not it's not really like there's no really other trusted bodies that are um checking out what is in these big plastic tubs um 
And I have some pretty shocking statistics to share about what is has been found um, when these companies have been testing these products because some of them are not what you're actually getting. And that's that's really where what it comes down to with um, supplements is, and that's why health professionals are like, mm, I don't know, because there are some companies that get away with putting not protein powder or maybe they're putting a lot less protein powder in the supplement with uh, the container but then showing it has more actual grams of protein in it so anyways um oh yeah and one thing I did want to mention is that um you know we can get all of our protein needs from food first and that the advantage is just convenience um and I know that especially with athletes, athletes need 1.2 to 1.7 grams per kilogram of protein. Um, I'm sure bodybuilders would say I, they need more and okay. Um, but for the average person, um, 0.8 to 1 grams per kilogram of protein is recommended. And then athletes, you know, people who are running or lifting, not necessarily at the bodybuilding competition level, but um, general health and wellness, like me, for example, I I don't need three grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. That would negate the rest of my calories in my day. But um, yeah, so one to two, one point two to one point seven grams per kilogram would be recommended for athletes. Um, and then, yeah, so I wanted to also talk about those third party verification companies um informedchoice.org labdoor.com and then nsf so one of the strongest recommendations when you are looking for a protein powder is to see if any of those third-party verification companies have looked into that product um because again there is no oversight on supplements but these companies you know are looking and testing and they test a lot of great things um one of the things that they test is for heavy metal heavy metals in the protein powder and that one has always been the one to me that's been like like the most concerning um and you know heavy metals like we don't you don't want those um so things like lead cadmium arsenic um sometimes those can be at really high levels in protein powder um, from processing um, the machine and stuff like that and just other, you know, processing outcomes. So those third-party companies look for stuff like that, and that's super important. Um, They also look at the quality of the ingredients, and a lot of protein powders, you know, when you look at ingredients, it'll say the protein concentrate or whatever – and then it'll say a few other ingredients. Um, most of those are anti-caking agents so that it stays into a powder form. Emulsifiers so that all the ingredients blend together really well. Um, although I've experienced some protein powders that do not blend well at all. Um, and I wouldn't have mind a little bit of emulsification. Um, but then there's also things that I know really are controversial to people um, like artificial sweeteners and food coloring. And that's definitely something to be aware of too because those really aren't necessary. We don't need artificial sweeteners. Um, and some studies have shown... Ugh, oh, I gotta slow down when I say this. 
The studies that have revealed negative results for those alternative sweeteners have not been on humans and they have been on animals that are like, and they're giving them like a ton of the like sweetener. So like for example, they'll give a tiny mouse like eight pounds of it, not really eight pounds, but a a high, high dose that a human would not get exposed to um, just following a normal healthy diet and maybe including a scoop of protein in their, um, you know, in their smoothie. But I understand the concern. Like, why would you even want to risk it? So there are definitely some protein powders that have a lot of artificial sweeteners um, and, you know, people that they just don't want to get. Um, Also, the food coloring, like I mentioned, I don't really see, maybe it's, I'm sure that it's because of the products that I'm looking at, um, but I feel like I don't really see very many protein powders with Red 40 in them, but Red 40 isn't a good um, food coloring. Um, Blue 1 and 2, and then caramel color, um, those have been to show that they have some negative effects um, that you would want to maybe not have if you're given the choice between two protein powders and one has blue one and two although I'm not sure why it would have blue one and two to me that says more like those are in like pre-workouts which I hate I hate pre-workouts I I there was one pre-workout that I really really liked but they took it off the market because obviously it had some really strong cardiovascular effects on people which is probably why it works so well but that's not good um but I've tried others um, and I, I don't want to drop any brands, but what, what was it called? I don't remember, but it was like a blue raspberry flavor and it was disgusting. I just felt like I was drinking something I really should not be drinking, like poisonous. And it was very blue and I don't understand why anything needs to be that color blue. But like, hey, whatever, you know, I, it, if it gives you a good pump and you want to take it, like, I'm not going to stop you. I personally just would would stay away from those pre-workouts with those food colorings especially um and yeah so those are the types of things that these companies look for they're like okay we're gonna give this protein powder or this supplement a grade well what we're gonna look at is we're gonna look at food coloring we're gonna look at the alternative sweeteners um and another thing that they check for is like other illegal substances like steroids and stimulants because you gotta gotta remember like a lot of athletes especially in college are probably taking these um these uh supplements for performance enhancing reasons obviously and that could be the end of their athletic career if they get caught you know having steroids in their system but really they weren't taking steroids it was just in their protein powder or whatever um same goes for stimulants if it's in their pre-workout and then they get caught from um you know the body that you know tests collegiate athletes um that's why it's a concern so i really recommend that if you're going to get a protein powder make sure it's um rated by one of these companies labdoor informed choice and um what's that third one nsf um so some interesting facts that i found about protein powders um well like i said earlier there are animal protein powders there are plant-based protein powders so the animal ones are like whey casein egg protein 
um, plant-based ones that I've seen are pea protein, hemp protein, soy protein. Um, one of my favorite ones is Vega Sport Protein Powder. I just think it tastes really, really good. And I like that it has, you know, it has 30 grams of protein in it, which is significant. Um, and I, I mean, I've, I also like whey protein too. It does not bother my stomach. I know it does bother some people's stomachs, but um, I just find that the Vega Sport Protein tastes really yummy and has a good nutrition profile. Um, one of the things that does concern me about all protein powders in general is sodium content. Um, and I have a low sodium diet in general just because I'm eating f- fresh foods that I cook at home. Um, I add salt to some of my meals um, and I still know that I'm not getting more than the recommended amount of uh, sodium in my day. But, you know, if I am eating protein powder every single day, I do want to know, like, how much sodium is in one serving. Um, because what Labdor found is that um, the sodium content can be 70.4% higher than what the label is actually showing. And most labels already show a high amount of sodium anyways. So the fact that there is like even more than what they're saying on the label, because again, they're not being regulated, that's ridiculous. And that's a ton of sodium. Um, Rule of thumb. um, Oh, shoot. I'll look this up. But if it's above 300 milligrams of sodium per serving, it's considered a high sodium food. Um, I will look that up for you guys. But... Yeah, so anyways, and a lot of protein powders do have that or more. So again, the fact that some brands have like 70% more than what they're actually claiming is just, it blew my mind. Um, And like also another reason why they would do that is because, well, sodium makes you bloat, right? That is like, that's what happens. Uh, We retain water. But retaining water, yeah, it doesn't make your abs look nice, but it might make your arms look bigger and, you know, it might make you look like you have more gains. So that could be a reason why they're adding more sodium to their products um, than they let lead on, um, which is really shady in my opinion. But whatever, they're not being regulated. So that's kind of what we, it's kind of what you expect from any company that's just trying to, you know, skirt the system. Um, so I talked about, um, sodium. Oh, okay. So the heavy metal thing, um, there was definitely a very popular protein powder that actually failed, um, the heavy metal category according to labdoor.com. And that was Shakeology, which really surprised me because I know that that one's a really popular one on, um, social media, but yeah, it had higher levels of lead than, Labdor saw to be um, considered a quality protein. So it got a pretty poor rating because of it. And yeah, so in general, when it comes to choosing a protein powder, consider your protein needs. And if you don't know your protein needs, you could probably find it on Google or you can have somebody like a dietitian calculate it for you. Um, or you can just find your body weight in kilograms and multiply that by 0.8, and that's the number of um, protein grams of protein you need. Or you can multiply it by 0.1. Um, if you're active and working out, 1.2. Um, if you want to see 1.7, you know, play with the numbers. 
but that would be your protein needs and then see what you get from food um so if you're not a vegetarian or if you're not a lacto over vegetarian so say you're a vegan you might need a little bit more help um reaching that number but if you're eating like chicken fish um eggs uh you're likely close to that number if not exceeding it um which is a good indicator that you probably don't need to spend money on protein powder that said if you do want to buy protein powder because you want more protein or because you love the convenience or you just love making smoothies um then i would consider cost per serving but also quality because i'm not trying to buy a cheap protein um but sometimes um you know if i'm on vacation and i need to like buy a tub of protein from target i'll do that but uh in general, I try and look for something that has a really short ingredient list. And as long as, so I'm not, um, even though I know they're very unnecessary, I'm not too concerned about the level of like alternative sweeteners that are put into protein powders just because I, I know that the dose would be, need to be very high for me to see any negative effects. Um, and they're likely not to be that high in protein powders. Um, and because of companies like Labdoor, they actually check out, you know, what they have in them. Um, and I just feel like it's almost not even, it's just really complicated to talk about because some people prefer stevia. Other people say, no, you can't have stevia. When really I kind of put them all in the same category of you really don't need it, but if you want it, you're not going to get a ton of it and it's probably going to be okay. Um, so what I would do personally is I would just look at how many, so I would look at the ingredient list and see what the ingredients are. Um, if I'm looking for a plant-based protein, obviously I don't want to see whey protein. If I'm looking for whey protein, which is, you know, it's regarded as the highest, you know, like the gold standard of protein powders just because of its effects on, um, you know, muscle protein synthesis and um, appetite, um, like reducing your appetite. But, um, and then I would also look at the nutrition label, obviously. What I like to do is I like to see how many grams of protein are in a serving and then how many grams are in a serving of that protein. So if it's like 25 grams of protein, but a serving is 40 grams, well, then that says to me that there is like, you know, the the rest of what, what are, what is the rest of that serving of protein? Like, um, there's 15 other grams of stuff and I'm only seeing five grams of fat so, you know, that you just got to wonder, like, how what is making up the rest of that. Um, typically, a scoop size is, like, 30, 33 grams. Um, so having something that's, like, 25 grams of protein is pretty common. Um, and uh, Vegas Sport, I know, is 30 grams of protein um, per serving. And then I also look at fat content. Um, Again, keeping in mind my entire day, I know I get a good amount of dietary fat in my diet because I love nuts, seeds, butter, um, fish, uh, olives, olive oil. So I'm not too picky about like if it has, you know, five grams of fat per serving, but I probably would choose to have less grams or fewer grams, sorry. Um, and then I look at sodium. I always look at sodium. 
Um, just because I know that that's the one thing that's actually the negative part of it. And yeah, then I check out carbohydrates. Um, just because if there's carbohydrates in a protein supplement, it's probably from something like maltodextrin, um, which I don't really need. Um, if I wanted to eat corn, I could just have corn with dinner. Um, I'm pretty sure that's where most of the maltodextrin comes from. But yeah, so that those are the things that I would just look at. Definitely check out the ingredient list. See if there's any, if there are alternative sweeteners that are in there that you do not want to have then pass it on like don't get that brand um i can't really direct anyone to one alternative sweetener over another because in my opinion they're all at the same level um if you are looking for a plant-based option because you know you're following a vegan diet or you want to be more plant-based or you just want to uh, avoid animal products for environmental reasons or whey protein casein protein make you bloat because you are lactose intolerant um then yeah go for something that has um plant-based protein powders the one thing i would mention about plant-based protein powders is that animal protein powders are more complete meaning they have more essential fatty uh essential fatty acids listen to me um they have more they have a complete profile of essential amino acids whereas plant proteins do not they're usually lacking some but i've seen companies um balance that so for example i know that um pea protein paired with a whole grain protein will um give you a complete amino acid profile so if you're going in that direction um pea protein see if there's any other protein powders that they added to it to see to make sure that it's complete um and then soy protein is a complete protein um i know there's really a lot of controversies with that um soy is not bad for us um actually tufts university just came out with a study um on soy so i could send that to anybody if they're interested and then um when it comes to the animal products the animal protein powders i've noticed that some companies put lactase in their protein powders i'm pretty sure dimatize elite does that um and that's an enzyme that breaks down lactose so that should that could help um you could also buy um you could also buy lactase enzyme pills from the pharmacy i think they have them um and take that before you ingest whey protein if you want to have whey protein because there's a lot of research that backs up um, whey protein for um, athletic performance and things like that. Um, So there's that option too. Um, But yeah, and, and so definitely look at the ingredients and then check out how many grams of protein are in a serving. Um, If, it's within five grams then you know you're getting a pretty good like a, a protein powder um but if it's like 25 grams of protein and like i said 40 to 50 grams of actual scoop powder then you're getting a ton of other filler and that's you you don't want that you're trying to buy a protein supplement um and then um hmm. oh yeah sometimes i've seen they'll say like a serving size is two scoops and you get like 50 grams of protein that's you you don't need that much at once um definitely spread that out uh our bodies max out on the number of amino acids we can take in at once um 
there's a ton of like chemistry behind that and I don't want to visit that but yeah you don't need to take two scoops you don't need 50 grams of protein at once um 25 is plenty sufficient um and then the other thing was fat um uh most of the fat if obviously from animal based protein powders will be saturated fat some unsaturated fats will be in there too um I think that hemp protein might be high in fat and that is from like essential fatty acids and other unsaturated um, fatty acids. So again, look at your whole diet. If you think that you're getting enough fat in your day and you want to have something that's lower in fat, maybe choose a different option. Um, But it, it really depends on your whole day. And then there is the sodium factor. So if you're noticing that you're bloating, Um, even if it's after like a plant-based protein powder, then that could be why. Um, there's really, I I would just say try and find something that has as low of a percent as you can. Um, and one last thing I wanted to mention about protein powder or protein in general and bloating. Um, a lot of people ingest protein powder via smoothie. And when we blend foods in a smoothie, we actually incorporate air. So that's one of the things that I always try and, you know, remind myself and others is that if you're finding yourself being bloated after a protein shake, it might not necessarily be the specific type of protein. It might be the fact that you're swallowing air. Um, Things like chewing gum and sipping through a straw also um, make us swallow more air. Um, so it could be that. And then also stress. Stress is actually, um, a very, uh, it's underrated when it comes to gastrointestinal, um, issues, but definitely it's, it's coming up in the science. And when I was in medical nutrition therapy, when we got to the gastrointestinal chapter and we talked about IBS, stress management techniques were like part of the intervention because stress plays a role in our gut health and even I was just talking to somebody today and they were saying well yeah like if I'm nervous I like my stomach hurts like I have these bathroom issues like so it's a real thing um you know if you're experiencing bloating and stuff like that it might not necessarily be a specific food it could be stress in your life and of course everyone has different stressors so you'd want to work with someone one-on-one for that um it could be the fact that you're swallowing air um i chew gum so i know that like sometimes i will chew more gum in a day and i'll notice that i'm bloated and that's why um or airy protein shakes so yeah um i hope that wasn't too like confusing i hope i did help somebody the, the concept of protein powder is tough um, just because there's, you know, we're getting so many products on the market all the time, just like in our faces, like have this protein. And then, you know, even non-protein foods are claiming that they have protein. And it's like, you know, so we're always constantly thinking that we need more and we need it in powder form. So what's the best one? And truth be told, we probably don't need the powder. We could just get it through food but I get it convenience and you know it's fun to make protein pancakes sometimes um so yeah I hope that I help you find a protein powder um I don't work with any protein company so I can't I'm not gonna like sell anything to you guys um 
I would just say the more informed you are about what you're having, um, the better off you are. So I will repeat those third-party um, companies again. Labdoor.com, L-A-B-D-O-O-R. Um, informedchoice.org and then NSF and then also reviews.com is another great site that I just found um, that looks at a lot of different things probiotics whey protein um, supplements makeup they, they just review a ton of stuff so yeah stay informed look up stuff um, ask questions and if you have any questions if you want to more, learn more about protein or you, you still have a burning question that you want me to answer um, email me message me on Instagram my blog um, yeah whatever floats your boat I hope you enjoyed listening and I will this is on iTunes so please review and leave happy positive comments i would really love that Alrighty, well that's it for me and i hope you have a good night or a good day adios